you're listening to the Televisionary Minisode. In this episode, Cody and I talk about two of our favorite TV shows that just might become your next TV binge. It's kind of like the Kinzua Bridge. They have like um at the end of the broken part, they have a big glass thing that you can look down. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. I want to go back to the Kinzua Bridge sometime because I have not been since... The bridge fell down. <laughs> I was a child last time I was there, and I was too afraid to go very far onto the bridge because it was so high. But I think that I would be able to handle going out onto the yeah. glass part now. I'm a big boy. You're actually a very like normal-sized boy. I'm only Man. a little bit larger than the average boy. <laughs> I'm smaller than the average boy. You are, yes. <laughs> And probably the average girl, yeah. Yeah. I'm just not that tall. You don't have to be. People generally think I'm taller than I am usually. Like, anytime someone guesses my height, they guess like 5'5 or 5'6. Wow. But I'm only 5'3. It's probably because you're just very slender. I feel like a lot of people who are on the shorter side, especially women, tend to be more like... Stout. Stout. That's the word I was going to use. I, I don't mean that offensively, but I just think of like, my mom was 5'2", and she's like, she was never like super skinny. Like she just kind of more compact build, I guess. And you definitely yeah. don't have that kind of build. Do you so. know what your heritage is? Are you like Polish? I am mostly German, some Scottish, and a little bit of Dutch. Ooh. Yeah, I feel like Dutch isn't one that you hear very often. And admittedly, no. I don't think it's very much Dutch. Much Dutch. Much Dutch. Yeah, it's like my 5% Swedish. <laughs> uh-huh. I <laughs> I would guess that you were more Swedish than you are, though, just based on looks. I think oh, wow. you have a very... That's flattering. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I think you have a very Nordic kind of look to you. Oh, no, just pure, pure Irish. I <laughs> I shouldn't even try to do accents. Well, then maybe we should just stop this conversation and get into what we actually are going to talk about today. Yes. Can I go first? You can. Okay. I want to go first because I literally just finished watching the show that I'm about to talk about. Okay. It is a TV show called Hacks, which I'm pretty sure you're watching. I actually, yes, I apparently finished it before you because I watched the last two episodes a couple of days ago. I was procrastinating watching it because that's what I do when I really, really like something Mm. like I don't want it to end and I'm afraid that I'm gonna be let down but I actually wasn't I thought that it ended in a nice way and I feel like I could watch like 10 to 15 seasons of this show (laughs) (laughs) I just enjoy the main two characters so much but I guess I should explain what it is because I don't think a lot of people are watching it at all yeah I had not heard anything about it until you told me about it. You told me while I was visiting that I should watch it. So I came home from visiting and I watched all of it in like three days, three or four days or something like that. Um, And I think it's a show that a lot of people would enjoy, but please tell the masses about it so they can learn. All right. So the premise is pretty simple, I would say. There is a 25-year-old Hollywood writer, a woman, and she has recently tweeted something that has gotten her canceled essentially she's lost her writing job and so her agent 
gets her to go work for a sort of, I don't want to say washed up comic, but it's a female comedian who has a Vegas residency. And she's kind of just been doing the same act for years and years and has actually had more Vegas shows than I think any other comedian or something like that. So these two women meet each other. They end up striking up a friendship. They connect through their humor, all even though there are a lot of ups and downs. And that's the gist of the show. That's like the most basic thing. And there are some awesome side characters like the agent and his assistant are hilarious and amazing. <laughs> um, the, I assistant think the assistant for... Oh, uh, sorry. I think no, we're go probably going to say ahead. the same thing. The assistant <laughs> is my favorite character. I think she is just hilarious. Like every single time she's on screen, like I just crack up. That actress is so good. I don't think I've seen her in anything before and I don't even know her name. Um, I Me wish either. I did so I could give her a shout out. But yeah, uh, like there are just some gold moments with the agent and the assistant. So the young female comic, her name is Ava, and then the comedian that she's helping, comedian, is Deborah Vance. And so there's, I would say the standout for me, I loved Kayla, the assistant. Uh, I love, so Deborah's daughter is played by Caitlin Olson, who plays Sweet D on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I have to say, out of everyone on this show, I mean, the acting is pretty great overall, but I was totally impressed by Caitlin Olson in this role. I think that she was bringing so much nuance that I honestly didn't know she could bring. Because mm-hmm. Always Sunny is, it's kind of like a one note kind of show (laughs) for everyone which is fine that's part of what makes it so good but she's great as the daughter their relationship is great and I think that the show overall hits on a lot of topics that I just really enjoy so it hits on women in comedy which we've talked about in our Mary Tyler Moore episode a lot it kind of addresses cancel culture a little bit and I kind of wish it had addressed it a little bit more but I like that we're sort of exploring where is the line what's appropriate because I think what was appropriate for someone who is the age of Deborah Vance the comedian is no longer appropriate and humor standards have changed but like should there really be a line I think that that is brief explored and then I love the family element to everything like Ava's family is just hard to watch at times like watching her parents and her interaction with them and then Deborah's family is totally messed up divorced sister remarried her ex-husband and then her daughter has had a lot of ups and downs so it's very complicated and there's a lot of like unhealed family issues in the show and then of course there's sort of this idea that these two people are maybe stand-ins for mother and daughter for each other in a way or even at points it's like are these people in love with each other but I think it's just especially with the way the series ended or the first season ended you just get the sense that sometimes you connect to people in your life that you just hit on the same kind of humor and when you find that with someone it is so special and I think that that's what these two characters have done like they've just managed to get each other and now they're able to make each other better in a way yeah i agree with that too i will be honest like the first couple of episodes i wasn't quite sure the chemistry was there between those characters just because they do seem very different on the surface but as that relationship develops i quickly was like okay these two do get each other they gel in a way that i wasn't really expecting and that's fun to watch honestly like 
And that's kind of the way that it is in real life for people too. Like you don't always know the people that you're going to relate to the most whenever you first meet someone. And as you you know, start to get to know each other better and have these weird shared experiences, then you see where that common ground is. And they do have a lot of weird shared experiences <laughs> over the course of those 10 episodes. But it's it really is just a nice kind of heartwarming story to see these two find something in each other that they maybe both were looking for that they didn't know they were looking for. Absolutely. Jean Smart is just awesome in that role too Mm -hmm. like she's just perfect she's so good in everything but like this i think especially she just i don't know uh, maybe she just relates strongly with (laughs) the character i don't know but yeah she is just like perfect in every moment i think i was just gonna say she's in the running for uh best actress emmy odds she was number oh, okay. two, but I think she just slid into like the number one spot. Hmm. Kaylee Cuoco or whatever for the flight attendant was ahead of her for a while. Which oh really? I did not watch that show, and I didn't want to watch that show. I didn't either. I was surprised to find out that it is a comedy because <laughs> it doesn't it seem, like, seem it. like from any of the marketing <laughs> that it would be. But anyway, interesting that both of those are HBO Max shows. By the way, I know. I kind of would have expected like if they were going to give those a bigger awards push that they would have gone with just straight HBO because I feel like that HBO brand still carries a little more weight than their brand new streaming service does. Yeah, I think so. And everything from HBO is on HBO Max for streaming, so I don't know. What do I know um, compared to those execs making those kind of decisions? But I was going to ask, is there a particular show or styles, I guess, that you would compare Hacks to? Like, comedically, is there anything that rings familiar to you? Hmm, that's kind of a, that's kind of a hard one for me. Um, (laughs) do you? I mean, I didn't have anything necessarily in mind. It did seem like just the style of it seemed a little bit more subdued maybe than I was expecting it to like it just mm-hmm. it's set in Vegas and Vegas is just kind of a like this city with so much excitement and you know glitz and glamour in one very centralized part of it and then it's just desolation all around <laughs> it just kind of seems you know empty and open everywhere and it, for me it kind of seemed like that was I don't know how intentional it was, but, like, the show has just this air of sort of emptiness in Mm -hmm. a lot of it. Not necessarily in the sets or backgrounds or anything, but just the tone seems a little bit flat sometimes. But it's not like there's not action going on. Like, there is always something driving a story, but it, I don't know, it just... I don't know if that was intended to be representative of Las Vegas itself, or just maybe of these characters who, you know, have a certain amount of emptiness within themselves and they find each other to kind of fill that (laughs) in a way I don't know well that kind of that was kind of what I was going to say as you started talking like the final two episodes really start to touch on this idea that comedy and humor can be sort of solace for loneliness which is I guess something 
we think about all the time with comics as being, you know, unhappy or lonely people. But the two main characters of the show have moments in the final two episodes where they talk about loneliness and comedy and how comedy is sort of this refuge for them or this way of connecting to the world. And I think that the setting of Vegas is so perfect in a way because it's this place that people go to to get drunk or gamble or do all this stuff. But that's often a stand-in for unhappiness or loneliness. The show was created by two of the writers from Broad City, Lucia Aniello and Paul W. Downs, who plays oh. the agent. So, um, <gasps> okay. yeah, yeah. So I, when I saw their names attached to it, I was a little bit surprised because it doesn't really have much common ground <laughs> with Broad City other than a strong female friendship at the center of it. But I guess when I was thinking about shows that had a similar tone or something, I was reminded that these two had a very successful show that I loved very much that was very different. But yeah, definitely worth a watch. So if you have HBO Max, go watch it now. If you don't have HBO Max, I don't blame you. Maybe do like a free trial. Maybe, yeah. So what are you going to talk about today? So the show that I have chosen to talk about today is Orphan Black. Now, I know that you watched some of Orphan Black, at least, right? I never finished it for some reason. Like, I just... It's not on purpose. I just kind of stopped watching for whatever reason and have never finished it. But it it's something that I intend to do mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah, I am going to start my whole spiel about it by saying I don't think it's perfect. Like, there are definitely things about it that were a little bit cliched, a little bit too over the top that, you know, I would have liked to fix, I guess. <laughs> but overall, I think it's a really solid show, and it has some interesting elements to it that you don't often see on TV, I guess. It is a sci-fi show, but it's not, like, it's not Star Trek, you know? Like, there's real <laughs> science grounded in a lot of the stuff that's driving the story, which while it's not fully explained on the show, kind of makes it a little bit more interesting, from my perspective anyway. The show ran for five seasons on BBC America, 2013 to 2017, and I will say it was one of a very small number of shows, or maybe even the only show, that I started watching solely because of a single promotional image. (laughs) Um, Wow. Yeah. So... I saw an ad on iTunes the day after the series premiere. Like, there was a little ad, you know, Orphan Black series premiere. I had not heard of it at all. You know, it was a BBC America show, which is a very tiny network (laughs) that had no prior (laughs) hits. And I just saw this image of, like, a pattern of faces that had shared eyes. Like, one face's right eye was the next face's left eye. And, like, just continuing in this line. And it's just a plain white background. Like, it was just stark. And I thought it was so distinct looking. It instantly piqued my interest and made me wonder what this show was about. And so I saw that it was on BBC America, which I had at the time when I was in college, and I just decided on a whim to watch the premiere on demand. And I loved that first episode. I was so intrigued by it. The basic concept of the show is that in the pilot, this woman, Sarah, who is kind of a con artist, a grifter, sees a woman who looks exactly like her on a train platform. And this woman has taken off her heels, she's left her purse on the platform, and then she steps in front of a train. So Sarah Sarah, being a grifter, takes her belongings and 
tries to kind of assume this woman's identity. She goes down this rabbit hole, sort of trying to figure out this woman's story, why she committed suicide, and Sarah eventually finds there are more women who look exactly like her, and it turns out that they are clones. I don't think that's a huge spoiler, because you find that out at the end of the second episode, I think, so <laughs> sorry if I ruined it for you, but that's the premise of the whole show, is you have this clone club, as they call themselves, starting to unravel the mysteries of how they came into existence, uh, who was responsible for creating them, what the status of the great experiment is that produce them and all of that kind of fun stuff and it's a show that doesn't always take itself too seriously sometimes it does but it's also like there is some real i don't know intense discussion at times about what makes a person a unique human like if you have identical dna with people what makes you you and you know there's the nature versus nurture debate and all of this stuff but then there's also a lot of kind of frivolous fun stuff that adds an element of lightheartedness that i think is really interesting so yeah that's the gist of the show am i missing anything that you can remember that i should add to that no i think you've pretty much hit on everything and i just gotta say i remember watching it for the first time after you told me to watch it and the lead actress in the show is so unbelievably good mm -hmm. that there were times where i literally looked on imdb to see who was playing the other character and had to remind myself that it is the same person mm -hmm. playing every single role and i mean i don't know that she does every single one of the clones perfectly or makes every one of them super well-rounded but at least like the three to four main clone characters are so well written and she just personifies them all so differently and distinctly like the only actress I can even think of that could do a similar thing is, what is it, Jodie Comer? Oh, the, yes, Jodie From Comer, Killing, Killing Eve. Eve. Mm -hmm. She does a similar kind of acting style, I think, where she really can embody the characters. But other than those two, like, I, you just don't see someone do it that well. Like, she's so unbelievably good. Yes, Tatiana Maslany is her name. And I was going to say the same thing. There were multiple times, basically every episode, really, where she is acting opposite herself. Like, she is portraying one <laughs> clone and another clone is responding and you just completely forget that it is the same person playing yeah. both of those characters and like i think hands down it is the best acting i've ever seen on television like i can't think of anything that rivals what she did and she won an emmy for it rightfully after the fourth season <laughs> it took that long but uh, it was a show that just flew under the radar for so long yeah. that i think it took people a while to realize what greatness was happening there. And also just thinking of the technical achievement of creating those kind of shots where she is in the scene as two or three or even four different characters. And you can't tell, like the graphics and special effects and everything are good enough that you don't realize that all of these shots are intercut or overlaid in a way that makes it appear that they're all in the same place. Like you just take for granted that they are all digitally composited. And I, that kind of is amazing given how, I, I don't want to say low budget the show was, but on a, 
a very kind of insignificant <laughs> network yeah. for to be able to pull off that kind of a show that has those kind of complex shots is really cool i think and it, like there is never a time where you feel like they could have done things in a different way to facilitate the interaction of these clones or anything like it all just feels so natural and real and i just love that about it did you know that there's a podcast continuation with Tatiana Maslany? I did know that, and I have not watched anything, or watched, listened to any of it, or heard <laughs> anything about it. Have you listened to any no, of it? No, okay. I haven't. I haven't listened to it, but I got an ad for it on, like, something else I was listening to. Like, a, I honestly think it was the RuPaul podcast that I oh. listened to, but I don't know why they were advertising Orphan Black on it, so maybe it was something else, but hmm. it felt really weird, and it surprised me because I hadn't heard of it at all yet. But yeah. I think it could work as a podcast. I don't see why not, especially if she's involved. Right, yeah. Like Each of the characters' voices that she does is distinct enough <laughs> that I feel mm -hmm. like you could easily tell them apart. But just watching the show, her mannerisms for each character, like she's just so fully inhabits each of those characters that uh, it's just, I could never get sick of watching that. I would say the only thing that I think could have been better in the show is I wish that the supporting cast had been stronger. I agree. Like, I think some of them were fine, but I do think like all of her like love interest stuff, like they were always so weak mm -hmm. and like one dimensional. <laughs> I specifically remember, so the boyfriend of the guy or of the woman that Sarah like took over her life after she committed suicide, his name was Paul and he was just so bad at acting <laughs> that it I made know. some of his performances very hard to watch. I think I heard one someone that I was talking about the show with that also watched it refer to him as Paul the Wall just because he oh gave no like emotion in anything that he was ever doing. He was hot, but he was like he was. that was like the end of what he contributed to the show was just being a sexy love interest for Sarah. It sucks because I think that that's a character too that I really wanted to like. And mm -hmm. I did like in a weird way. Like, there was something in me that was really wanting things to work between them. <laughs> I don't... But, like, I think if the role had been played by someone with just, like, a little bit more talent, like, I think that could have been intensified even more. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But anyway... I think Orphan Black is definitely worth a watch, especially if you're into sci-fi kind of stuff. Like, it doesn't... You don't have to have any scientific knowledge of anything to do with cloning to <laughs> have an appreciation for the show. It doesn't always lean heavily on the science. There is, you know, a great deal of focus on a more human element. So I think that anyone can appreciate the show, but it is a, a kind of, I don't know, has a distinct sci-fi flavor to it yeah that's fair it's also so funny it is very funny at times like it just the way that some of the clones interact with each other they develop a, a sisterly kind of relationship which can be really fun to watch and just some of their quirks and idiosyncrasies are really yeah. interesting yeah i so, think we we picked some good ones today i think we did hopefully people have some new show suggestions if they were looking for yeah. some or send us some suggestions because i have no idea what i'm gonna watch next me either i was thinking about that too like i kind of want to re-watch something that i have already watched but not for a while but i also know that we have some shows coming up 
that we are planning to talk about that I have not watched. And I feel like I probably should do that, even though I'm not, like, there's a couple of them that we have planned to talk about for our second season of the podcast, which we renewed ourselves for. Um, And uh, some of these shows, I, I don't know how much I want to watch them, but like we can't avoid talking about them because of the impact they have had. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. We appreciate all of your love and support. And if you have anything to tell us, we might listen to it. So go DM us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, or you can send a good old-fashioned handwritten letter to the North Pole. Our P.O. box. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, the North Pole. Santa will get back to you on our behalf. Mm-hmm. All right. I think All that's right. enough. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye.